Hello and welcome to the Learning That Sticks podcast. I'm Mark Williams from GiraffePad, the learning platform for learning journeys. In this podcast series, I'm chatting with experts from around the world of learning and development, exploring with them their different ideas, techniques, their methods, their magic source, if you like, for creating learning solutions that truly stick. In this episode, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Linda Holt from BraveScene and an honorary professor of social leadership at the University of Salford. Linda, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we get into um, the subject that we're going to explore is around those larger groups and those longer programmes and how we keep that engagement bubbling all the way through, um, maybe for the benefit of our listeners, if you could give us a little bit of a background to your, your to career to date, if you like, how you, how you got to where you are right now. Okay. Uh, I love that when people give me carte blanche to talk about a backstory. <laughs> uh, essentially, I started out my career in emergency care. So uh, I worked in emergency departments um, with the ambulance trusts a little bit, um, with emergency planning, uh, and found that whilst I, I really loved the um, the work that I did there, it was actually the, the people bit that I liked the most, and, and specifically the the people potential within that. So as my career grew, I went into more leadership roles. Um, I was national lead for emergency care for the Royal College of Nursing for a while, um, and then set up my own development consultancy so that I could, uh, if you like, evolve some of the leadership things that are really well-intentioned in big organisations, but not necessarily landed very well with learners. So, um, Basically, through Brave Scene, I have the freedom to do that my way. Fantastic. Thank you, Linda. Now, um, for as long as I've known you, Linda, and um, whenever we've had conversation, I've seen what you're involved in. I've always been struck by, and the subject we're going to talk about, that you, a lot of the programmes you run, a lot of the work you do is not on a small scale, is it? You're often working with quite large groups, and you're certainly not these one hit wonder workshops they're on the longer sort of period of time with longer development programs aren't they they are yes and i i think you know there's there's nothing wrong with shorter programs um and you can certainly give people those real aha light bulb moments that that change them you know it's all learning it's once you've learned it you can't unlearn it can you really um what i really like about longer programs though is the the opportunity for impact i think is so much higher um, I, I work uh, a lot in the health sector still because that's my background. I work with uh, business owners and social entrepreneurs, people who really ha- are on a mission to make their difference their way. And I think that, that there's, there isn't a quick fix to that. You know, personal growth, um, leadership growth are long, long. Well, we're all work in progress, aren't they? It takes a lifetime, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, it's almost like a, a conundrum, isn't it? Because as you said, yes, shorter interventions can work extremely well, um, but the opportunity for real impact and real change often takes a longer period of time. But obviously, the longer period of time you might be working with someone, the more opportunity for them to sort of drift through that program or drift out of that program. And so keeping that engagement and that um, that real impact through the longer period, it, it takes some work, doesn't it? What are the kind of things you do to make sure that engagement stays on through the long period? I think you're right. It does take some work. And I think both for individuals that have signed up to programmes and for organisations, that um, 
that keeping it a priority is is super important. And what I would say is you always have to look at this through the prism of the learner. You know, where are they at in their journey? What do they need to get out of it? Um, what's exercising them right now? And how, how do you help support that journey in a way that's relevant to them? I think people are, are busy, particularly after the pandemic. They're overwhelmed. Uh, there's so much demand on our mental and cognitive capacity that unless you can meet people where they are, it's really difficult to expect them to just rock up and comply with um, off-the-shelf training programs. Um, you know, they might be physically present, but if learning is going to be really sticky, it's got to matter to them. And I think that that's the crux of it, really, finding the bit that matters to them. And that's not just, I mean, obviously that's incredibly important at the very beginning of a programme um, to get that sort of starting point for them, to get them motivated to want to, you know, participate, if you like, and lean into it. But actually that doesn't, it's not just at the beginning, is it? You kind of have to have that that connection, emotional connection with each individual all the way through that programme. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I don't know about you, but there have been, uh, uh, particularly in the online world, there have been many things that I've started with uh, with gusto and after a, a couple of modules thought, oh, yeah, no, I'm busy now, I'm not doing any more of that, um, which, you know, <laughs> is probably my loss. But I, I think it is that um, staying with that, what matters for me, but it, it's really about keeping that emotional connection. And for me, often that is about giving them skin in the game so at, at the risk of uh, at the risk of promoting you know using things like giraffe pads to really keep a conversation going in between touch points um and and it makes it really easy for um for course leaders then to be able to drop in and check in where people are at and you know set mini challenges mini objectives in between um modules and ask questions and just keep a conversation going so it doesn't like bob up for each once a month that you come on a module or things like that it's something that um at a low level is there and you're part of for the whole program you're not just part of when there's a study day or when there's an online module um and i and i think that that's the thing if you want people to belong and be connected uh you've got to give them something to be part of not just something to um, dip in and out of. That's really important, and it's it's really switching that effect from thinking about designing a program or a process of learning interventions to understanding this learning journey. I think something you're saying there really resonates with me. It's like it's creating a community amongst them as well, not just with you as the as the the lead or the facilitator of that program, isn't it? And so they're belonging to something. And, and that kind of ties into them wanting to be part of that rather than, like you said, these little sparks. I'm almost picturing like a heart monitor that speaks, sparks up with one workshop and then goes quiet again and sparks up afterwards, which is, is obviously not as impactful at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that the thing that is probably one of the most important things about training or any learning and development, to be fair, and probably the most forgotten thing is that to a large degree, you should be irrelevant as the, the trainer facilitator, you know, um, particularly if you're working in an organisation um, where there is an opportunity for that community to be really strong. You know, what you want for them is that they carry on after you've gone. What you want for them is that they are changed by um, the learning environment that you've created for them. And the only way that happens is if they've been enabled to grow their own community 
um, with, if you like, their own um, language shorthand, their own, um, you know, all the things that make you really belong to something. Um, and that that is important also for individuals that come on maybe an open programme. Um, I probably run more in-house um, programmes than open programmes, uh, so which is why I'm sort of talking about uh, communities within organisations. But I always think when I'm when I'm designing the um, the learners' path through the program is is you know what do they need to be doing if they're going to be really connecting with one another if they're going to be using the wisdom in the organisation if they're going to be getting so much more out of it than I can provide as a as a trainer facilitator because nobody comes into our programs as a blank sheet of paper and sometimes we make the mistake of you know, we're so into our own juice, if you like, our own content that we make the mistake of um, transmitting really rather than involving people. Um, and if you can make yourself redundant as the trainer, then actually you've got learning that sticks. They go away with something that they own, they manage, um, they continue with long after you're gone. That's a really powerful thought for anyone designing a program, isn't it? Is that's almost your starting point is how am I going to make sure that I'm not needed? That I'm, I'm I'm almost invisible by the end and they're seamlessly carrying on. Yeah, it's an image I use often in my mind when, when I'm thinking about learning. It's like that moment as a child when you're learning to ride a bike and you think your parents still hold you onto the seat behind you, but they're not actually there anymore and you're pedaling away into the distance furiously. Um, and that's really what as facilitators you want. You know, at the starting point, we might be engaging this community and, and driving stuff forward but very quickly you want to be pulling back and allowing them to take it forward and like you said they're not blank canvases are they no no uh, and I think one of the ways that we often keep that engagement going during um longer programs particularly um and when I'm talking about longer programs I'm thinking talking about things that maybe go on for six nine months mm. um is we use project work not not like this is your assignment and you've got to pass or fail um but uh, a lot of our work is in leadership and change and fundamentally about agency which i think most learning and development is about helping people to increase the agency that they have so we um we talk about things like you know what's the one thing you can fix in your own environment that doesn't necessarily involve a whole load of other people you don't have to go seeking funding or permission you can just go do it, but you never had because you didn't think you were allowed. Um, those kinds of things. And once they get the taste for that, we then we then will maybe run a project between modules and then start the next module with almost like a, a primary school show and tell. Come back and tell us what you did. Um, and, you know, no pressure if you didn't get time to do it. Because, um, you know, we're <laughs> particularly in the last couple of years, I'm talking about health service in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, um, um, but inevitably people do come back and they come back with genius ideas that they share with one another um and then they build their own like almost like learning community can I kind of look at your ward and see what you've done can I come and have a um a dip in there and will you just talk me through that and and what starts off as almost like a tiny seed can ripple out really easily um and it's all sorts of things from cost saving to patient safety to looking after staff um you know we've seen some amazing things that we wouldn't have thought of as like go and do this because we're not on the ground there it's, it's their environment their reality we're the holders of space really 
I, I particularly like the notion of, of this kind of project works where it's not an assignment with, with fixed instructions and rules. They're, they're given that freedom to go and do something because, of course, when they come back, that individual gets all the power of reflecting on what they've done in that particular, whatever the task or action they've taken, they get to reflect for it. But the whole of the rest of the group are learning from each other. And it's not theoretical learning. It's not workshop theory discussion, is it? This is actually tangible. I've done this in my ward. This is what I've learned. This is the impact it had on my team or my patients, whatever it might be. Um, and so the whole group learns from real world actions um, taken and reflected upon. Yes, definitely. Um, and I think we we try and that that's that's one thing that we try and keep in. Of course, when you when you think about learning, you've got to make an uh, if you like an emotional. At the end of the day, we're we're looking at changing our neural wiring, aren't we? If we've learned something new, we take something that might feel um, awkward or difficult or um, a little bit scary and make it our new default. Um, so the best, like if we just pick up the textbooks and learn about it, we've still got that that fear thing of I've actually got to go and do something um, or all this talk about belonging and connections great in the classroom but that difficult so and so on my team I've now got to go do this with them it's when we start to do it that we get like if you like the change in our neurochemistry which changes our physiology which makes us actually feel like we've achieved something um and, and the whole name of the game here is to move us if you like out of that adrenaline cortisol um sort of slightly alert this is really uncomfortable into the kind of serotonin dopamine I, I I I've done this I'm I'm really pleased with this and actually if I can do this I can do that and it's just that that almost managing themselves um through the tools that you've you've given them well I'm so I imagine with that as well, though, is a, a really crucial part. There's a connection here with the, the community element you're talking about because you may just be one or you may just have a few facilitators working on a bigger group. But if that whole group together are there as a support network, as an accountability network, as a feedback network, whatever we might want to call them, um, that, that I imagine helps that transition as well to, to give the confidence to take that step and, and put something into practice to try it out, to, to run that project, whatever it might be. Definitely. And, and the other thing I would definitely use with bigger groups is things like action learning sets, because when you look at um, you may have 50 people in a room, there's going to be some people that, you know, always love to contribute. And there's going to be other people that actually that is just too overwhelming. Thank you very much. And they they'll go home and reflect on what they've learned for the day. But actually, the in the day bit has probably been exhausting for them. Um, so we we tend to always use things like action learning sets on a longer program. Um, depending on the on the structure of the program, we either um, allow them to self facilitate, or we've got a facilitator in there. But that that point of connection with a small group of people that are on the same journey, I think, is really important. And again, we can we can bring that back into um, our online or we're using giraffe pad but um whatever system that you use you can bring something like that back in um and you can check in with the individual action learning sets and and again 
um, as the, the real beauty of a long programme is you get to know people a lot better. So it's much easier to meet them where they are. So we can put in very targeted um, conversations and questions and things into individual action learning sets that might not be relevant for the whole group. Um, and while I'm saying all this, I'm sure there's lots of people who listen to this going, that sounds like so much work. You know, I just want to get up and do my programme and, and come home again. And there's a bit more upfront effort, but I think there's two things out of it. Actually, it's more fun for you as a trainer facilitator because you're you're part of something and you're getting feedback on what you're doing. Um, and, you know, even if the feedback isn't always like that was a roaring success, that was great. You know, it, it they will tell you where to go next to keep them engaged if you just pay attention. So actually, it makes your life so much easier. The number of times I've upended a learner's learner journey, because actually, as we've gone through, and I thought, actually, before we can do that, we need this because this is where they are. And these are the things that really keep people engaged. If you keep spouting stuff that's not relevant for where they're at right now, it, it might be interesting to them, but it it's easy for it to become a tick box um, exercise or a presentee exercise. Um, and in some ways, I feel for me personally, as a trainer, then I've failed you know, unless people are getting what they need to get on with the lives that they want and make their impact their way, I haven't done a good job of my part of the journey. Um, and part of that is not being attached to what they want to do with the learning at the end of it. I, I, I would go, I want to go back to a bit of a point you mentioned at the beginning there as well, Linda, about it being a lot of work. And I often have a phase of it being light touch for the facilitator. And I think as you get more and more used to setting up action sets, to, to devolving, if you like, or delegating out the responsibility all to the individuals and they create their own community, I think it's a lot less work for the facilitator and should be. You know, we don't want to be the guru, if you like. They have to keep looking towards for direction or answers or ideas or what are we going to do next, do they? Because that, that's, at the, that's in conflict with everything else we've talked about. And I think actually... The maybe there's more work at the beginning because we want to create that sense of self-responsibility for the learning journey here. But once that's in place, things like the action sets take on a life of their own. Yes, we might be there for some feedback or um, some input or a gentle nudge in a different direction, but it's not like running, you know, 20,000 PowerPoint slides on a virtual session because it? that's just not necessary. Totally, totally. Um, and I think it is that combination of... Um, chunks of, of new information and I have found you know I've certainly noticed in the last couple of years and, and not just in the health sector I work with education and obviously at the at the university um and with with some sort of more commercial business environments as well people's capacity for lots of information long periods of learning um has definitely diminished because you know I don't think anybody's untouched by the the pandemic and you know and and now what's going on in in ukraine you know so the amount of mental space we've got is is less i think and as a result of that i've found that the amount of teaching for want of a better word um has also diminished so we we very much do small chunks a lot of discussion and and it might be that what i might have done over a day you know, we're maybe doing in a series of um couple of couple of hour workshops over a long period a longer period of time 
just because it gives people time to assimilate and process what you're sharing. There was something else I wanted to just say about the, um, when you mentioned about the upfront effort. Uh, I think it's more than actual upfront effort that we need to adjust to really get comfortable with making ourselves redundant as trainers and facilitators. And that's a lot about managing ourselves and having the courage to, to know that by making ourselves redundant, we're not somehow less than. Because one of the things I see in the training community a lot is, is people become very attached to what they know and what they can deliver um, until we have the courage to step away from me, if you like, and really into the learner space, then we don't succeed in creating this learning that sticks. It stays about us to some extent. And, you know, frankly, nobody cares what you know and what you don't know. They care what difference it makes for them and whether it makes their life better or easier or not. Um, Absolutely. So- and it's that dependency element, isn't it? That, of course, if you... if if the focus, and, and not even without some big egotistical guru mindset, but if the focus is on you and your content and you leading a session, they're passive and dependent on you, and learning is not a passive process. No, not at all. Um, and it, it, I, this really struck home for me. I've been I've been doing a series of uh, of webinars. The, the webinar series is called Recharge, um, and it is about how do we re-energise um, ourselves and our teams as we kind of come out of the pandemic and into the next phase this particular one was with an education organization who I would have hoped had got had nailed a bit of online learning by this stage in the pandemic but hey ho I found myself on uh, on teams for 90 minutes with uh, no chat box no breakout rooms no nothing <laughs> um uh, there was a chat box it's just that I couldn't see it because I was a, a guest um so uh, I, I was talking about vulnerability um, as part of this recharge program. And it was a very great place to start because I could actually start with complete integrity and say, I feel completely vulnerable here because I don't stand up and talk generally. Um, you know, I'm not getting any feedback from you and we need to make this 90 minutes about you and for you. Um, we did manage to, to, to do that, but it just struck me that... Um, you know, the feedback I'd had from the, and I'd actually put this group, I couldn't put them through any of our learning platforms because they've got their own uh, school internal one. Um, but what what I, we did do was we followed up and got one of their teams to put stuff into their team's account. So, and the feedback I got was, it was so refreshing to have something where somebody wanted something back from us. The people I was talking to were um, teachers, heads of, heads of subject departments and the school leadership team um and you know it was a sixth form college as well so it wasn't like they were talking to tiny children where they needed to have responsibility and it kind of struck me how uncomfortable I felt not being able to connect how vulnerable I felt because I wasn't getting feedback from learners and I think it really struck me that um there there are I think if we're going to really create long programs, engage lots of people, and, and there was sort of 60 odd people on this call, um, it, you know, if we're going to create that real connection with big groups of people, uh, we've got to be able to put ourselves in, in their shoes at the very least and hopefully take feedback as we're going along. 
when you can't take feedback, um, the best that you can do is to really um, use some of your own, if you like, your 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 own um, emotional stories that you know they're going to resonate with. So again, it's really important not to just rely on content, but to be able to draw the human stuff in. Unlike most trainers know this, most trainers do it. But in the heat of the moment, when you're flummoxed, you it's easy to default back to, to what you know. And I think the message I'm trying to say here is if you want to really keep the engagement and the stickiness is the times where you feel out of your depth are the very times that you need to double down on emotion and story and creating connection and not fall back into content and being the clever one. Um, because that connection is the thing that will get you through and keep your learners with you. You know, this was a series of five webinars all run like this. And at the end of the five, I had more people on the beginning, which amazed me. I thought after the first one like that, I'd probably get half a dozen the next time. But um, but it is that real doubling down on emotional connection, I think. And, and, and there's no reason that, that that can't be how you establish a relationship from the very, very start of, of your interaction with them, whatever point you, you connect with them as part of this program, isn't it? It's not something that is a nice to have later on once content has been covered, but actually the very, very, you know, almost their identity of you is not as the person who provides the content, the direction, the, the knowledge, uh, but someone who has stories to tell, who's vulnerable and, and, and can be part of this community rather than some detached outpost that, that drops in every once in a while. Yeah. And, and, and I, I kind of think of the learner journey in, in this way as like, as the person creating the program, particularly for um, longer programs, my job is to be the guide, um, you know, maybe the person with the roadmap. Um, but that doesn't mean that other people, you know, can't dip in and out of the orientation and the navigation along the way. And as the guide, it doesn't mean that, you know, that I am in charge of, of everything, if you like. So um, I might change my view based on the surroundings I find myself in. Um, and like all journeys, different people take the lead at different times. And, and uh, I think that is important, both when you're working with other trainers on a, on a longer programme um, and where you're working with clients and almost like rapport leaders within your um your training community as well your, your group of learners um, um I, I guess my my fundamental is it always and I think I said this just now is when you really pay attention to what people are doing and saying in your in your group they absolutely tell you what the next step in the journey is um and whether you need to deviate from your original roadmap or not all too often we don't pay enough attention and we're paying attention to ourselves and 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 to be really fair you know I'm really lucky that I only deliver stuff that we have created ourselves for a lot of trainers you're you're going in with something that you're expected to deliver either in-house corporately or as an associate trainer um and I think it takes a lot of courage to really put your own individual stamp on that. But I also think that if you don't do that, you're doing your learners a real injustice. And there are always ways of getting content over in a way that people can absorb it and that sticks with them. 
A hundred percent. And this this really echoes such a powerful conversation I had recently on another episode, actually, where we were talking about, and, and some of the key points you've made there, it's almost this sense where um, the participants you're working with are so engaged, were so taking the lead and so in control, they're pushing you as a facilitator to stretch them more and to take them off path where necessary or, or to rip up that part of the roadmap and take you down this route. And, and for one side, obviously, that takes a very brave facilitator to be there because in some ways you're, you're, you're not in control. You haven't got your nicely curated roadmap that you're sticking to come hell or high water. Um, but just to coin this way, the level of stickiness is, is incomparable, isn't it? When, when your participants, if you like, take control of their own learning journey and you're simply like the pilot or the guide facilitating, just making sure they're keeping reasonably on track that's going to help them get where they want to get to. Um, yeah, the, whatever's in your original plan, your original roadmap can get pushed nicely to the side, can't it? Definitely. And, and I do think that what we forget sometimes is that whatever um and i'm certainly not saying we should be going out and teaching stuff we don't know but we're often there because we are good facilitators we're good at curating conversations we're good at guiding people and signposting to what they really need um and when we can sit comfortably in that we've got so much more at our disposal as space holders facilitators learning um facilitators whatever you want to call it um when we are anxious about ourselves, then quite literally, what the 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 uh, the fear response in our brain shuts down our our um, uh, cortical thinking patterns. So uh, we don't have as much information at our disposal to start with. So we get into this spiral of ickiness, for want of a better word. We can't think of what we want to say. We can't find the right words. Our options shut down, so we fall back on what we're really comfortable with and what we really know, um, which 99% of the time you'll pull it out of the bag and the learner will know nothing. But you you know that you haven't delivered um, what you really could have delivered. And, and I think that as a, as a trainer, when you're creating this learning, you have to trust yourself to just sit there and be in the zone. Um, and when you can just trust yourself enough to know that you're going to handle whatever comes up, then actually you've got much better capacity to handle whatever comes up. And stuff does come up, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, be, yeah, I mean, we're going off a tangent here, but being able to think on your feet as a facilitator is like one of the number one skills, isn't it? But I just want to come back to this because as I listen to you describe that process there. Something that I always used to talk about was... Um, as a, as a facilitator trainer, like you said, all these wonderful labels we give ourselves, so often we get tied into my specialist knowledge is this or my expertise is this, leadership, negotiation, coaching, whatever that might be. Um, and I always used to say, well, actually, your specialism should be in learning, like being a facilitator. But actually, really, what we want to stretch out to is if you're starting off working with a group of people over whatever period of time, whatever context it might be, your number one role is to become an expert in those individuals, to understand them, to know when you need to push, to pull back, to challenge, to put them into groups, to not. And actually knowing those people is your, your utmost responsibility, isn't it? And knowing the role you need to play at any given moment in time, hopefully not too much of a role, you want it light touch. But that's really where the true expertise is, isn't it? Completely. And, and I have a term that I use with all of my trainers and people that work with us, which is your 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 job is to have the courage to connect. Um, and 
that can feel really risky sometimes, particularly if you go into what might feel like um, hostile is a strong word, but sometimes we go into into a a room um, or a Zoom call of people that have been sent or people that are like, I know this stuff, and and it can feel hostile, um, especially if you're not super comfortable already yourself with it. Um, and I think this this connection bit is really important. You know, when we have the courage to just be a human being, um, sometimes maybe be a little bit vulnerable um, and, and really work on what do I need to do to get to know you, as you say, to, to build some trust with you so that we can actually explore what it is that we need to explore for your learning to happen. Um, but I often see people just, especially if they're a little bit on the back foot, they skip through that and really get into content thinking, oh, they think I'm really clever and 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 you've lost it then. It is that that it almost training yourself to go through that uncomfortable first 10, 15 minutes to really start to establish some connection because it's going to pay dividends for you if you're doing an hour program, a day program, and certainly if you're doing a, a long program with a big room of people. I think anyone who's listening to this episode who is a trainer, a facilitator, a coach will know exactly what you mean by that hostile environment. And we know that word sounds quite, quite hard. But like you said, a group of people that have either been sent there or they're fairly confident they already know this stuff. And of course, the brain's response to that normally is to prove yourself, isn't it? Unless you can run away, which you don't want to, is to prove yourself, to prove that you're worthy of being there, that you are credible and validated. And like you said, you get straight into content to, to prove that you are the person they should be listening to. And it takes that huge amount of courage to be vulnerable at that point and just seek connection. And I like that as a starting point of any, any programme before any kind of content is discussed or any kind of roadmap is discussed is have that courage to create connection, whatever size the group is doesn't really matter it's about connection I do have a a, I I remember really clearly and this was what absolutely landed this point for me and if you like proved to me that what I thought I knew was right um I had I was invited to go and talk to a group of architects um about emergency departments and the design of emergency departments And when I was invited, I was really flattered. I thought, great, that's lovely. Thank you. And yes, I'd love to come and do that. Um, I have three hours. (laughs) And then I was thinking, I know nothing about architecture. I know nothing about architects. Uh, And by the time I actually got to go there, um, I was on the train down going, I'm I'm thinking, I feel sick. I don't want to do this. They're not going to be interested in anything I have to say. I know nothing about architecture. And when I actually, arrived there I I felt a wreck honestly Uh, not because of anything other than what I'd done to myself um, because I felt like a complete imposter in their world Uh, and that's happened so often for trainers so I walked in there and I thought I'm just going to have to have a word with myself and that's the the real benefit of having spent a lot of time doing psychology and neuroscience and stuff is like at least I knew that I was doing this to myself so I had a word with myself and got myself into, into uh, the right state to go into the room. And I went into the room and I talked a bit about emergency departments and what we did and why design was so important. And before I knew where I was, I was having a ball and they were really interactive. They were asking loads of questions. 
and then one guy dropped the absolute magic uh, magic piece that made this connection bit really fall into place for me. He said, it's so important for us that we can talk to somebody that lives that life, that lives that experience. We're just architects. We don't know. And it was like, actually, when you start to think about anything that happens in the world, it's not one set of skills and knowledge. It's human beings connecting with each other and building that jigsaw and making the whole puzzle work. Um, I'd be a liar if I said I never felt like an imposter when I went into some different environment. Um, But what I do now know is that um, even if I'm there to be the person that makes the pieces connect, there's always something that I have to offer. And I think as trainers, if we hold on to that, um, we are the courageous connectors. We can only do that if we know what the different pieces are in the room that we find ourselves in or the Zoom call that we find ourselves in. That's how we build that connection out right from the beginning of any kind of programme. And I, I, that for me, that's such a wonderful note for us to bring this conversation sort of full circle, if you like. If we talk from the very beginning, you talked about um, whatever the groups are, is it's about that emotional connection with the individual. But actually, we're also talking about the emotional connection throughout all of those jigsaw pieces, like the whole community section. None of this. We, you know, we've mentioned content a few times. We know there's going to be some form of content through some kind of learning journey, but actually a facilitator's number one role. Get that connection right between you and them, between each other, make it important enough for them, and, and all of the groundwork is set for a successful learning journey. Absolutely. You know, and fundamentally as humans, one of the, you know, we need two things. We need to feel safe and we need to belong. Then we've got enough headspace to actually do the learning and do the work if we haven't got those two right um the learning doesn't happen anyway um and I think that this connection does both of those things so yeah I guess my final words would be have the courage to go and connect courage to connect I love that Linda thank you so much for sharing all of your insights today I am pretty confident our listeners will want to know more about you where would they find you what's your website what would they how would they find you on LinkedIn so uh, my website is uh, bravescene.com. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, Linda Holt, you'll, you'll find me there. Uh, and we have um, a, a Facebook group as well called Braver Leaders, which is a combination of people who are working with leaders, people who are leaders themselves and, and freelance uh, trainers, creators who who inter- interfa- in, interface in that space. So um, please feel free to join if you'd like to. Fantastic. Linda, thank you so much. We'll share those uh, on on the show notes as well. Um, Thank you for your time again, Linda, today. Thank you for everyone listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating on your app of choice. If you want to catch up with us and more of our episodes are on our website at giraffepad.com and there's plenty more episodes coming soon. So it's bye for now. Bye.